welcome you back to our study. Uh, never mind. <laughs> I didn't make that up. <laughs> <laughs> Blooper. <laughs> that was five words. Okay. You ready? Hey, peace. <laughs> hey, where am I supposed to be looking? Hi, guys. <laughs> welcome to week nine. Yeah, I know. It's not hard, right? Hello, PCC family. Well, today we're doing something very special. We're, uh, no, we're not. <laughs> and last week we got to talk about corporate worship. And um, la during his sermon last week, Brian, dang, go. <laughs> One year for Halloween, I dressed up like the Holy Ghost. The preacher didn't think that was funny. No. <laughs> Hello, Present City Church. Present City <laughs> Church. <laughs> we have presents for everybody. All right, you ready? Full <laughs> verse memorized. Wow. I forgot where I was going. I keep, like, I should have wrote things down. I'm sorry, Jonathan. I'm not as prepared as you are. Um, yeah, everybody's got their own way. Gary didn't write anything down. Yeah, I know. Wait <laughs> um, a second. What are we saying? Over? No, I'm good with that. All right, All right, I, I'm, I'm good. Here we go. 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 Good morning, PCC family. <laughs> the whole idea that we call connect groups, connect groups, and and then the whole idea that we're like, oh. <laughs> this, feels, this feels so disingenuous because I've said this three times now. Good morning, PCC family. We are so happy to be transitioning our study from. No, we shouldn't be happy about that. Anyway, um, here we go. Here we go. Okay, into an encounter with Jesus. And um, <clears throat> we do that in a lot of different ways. And I lost my train of thought after I got started. How <laughs> That's you! I was ready! <laughs> really need a bleeper. Take them to heaven with you as you do life together. One take, baby. Hey, was One it okay, Wes? Did we do okay, Wes? Yeah. <laughs> As you can see, that's not very easy to do. But anyway, uh, there was one that uh, we were doing, and it took me, I think we guessed, 13 times to get through it. So uh, that was a well-wasted day. But anyway, we do want to thank you so much, those who participated in our Rooted series. Uh, this is our 11th week, which all we're doing today is concluding this series, but also celebrating uh, this wonderful time that we've had together over these last 10 weeks. But not just the last 10 weeks. This whole idea goes all the way back to 2006, and we're going to talk about some of the celebrations we can have with that. But in the meantime, I want to thank the Connect leaders. They really went out of their way to be a part of or to teach the Rooted series the way we desired it to be taught. They came in on Wednesday nights. They put in the extra effort. We thank our Connect leaders, the devotional writers. Uh, I think there were 60-plus devotional writers. And uh, if you would like to be a devotional writer for the next time we do it, just uh, turn your name into us. Just send it info at, at PCC. Uh, we'll know that you want to be included next time. But let me just say this. Those who wrote those uh, devotionals, I've had many people say these are some of the best devotionals they've ever read. And, and, of course, we know there's some pretty good devotions out there. But you guys did a phenomenal job. And then all, our panel participants, those who came up here on the three Sundays we had that, thank you so much for making it so personal and bringing it home, what it means to love 
love God, uh, connect with others, and reach the world. And also the pastors, y'all. The pastors really did. They, they did a phenomenal job putting all this together. And uh, I, I just know God has blessed our time. And I want to thank all those involved. All right, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Now, you're going to have to hold, hold your Bibles there because it may be a while before we get there. But really, what I want to do this morning is basically not only conclude the series, I want to celebrate what God has done since 2006 when we introduced the idea, love God, connect with others, and reach the world. But not only that, I want to, to share with you, maybe some of you are guests, maybe you've been visiting our church for some time now. I want to share with you what I would want to know before, about a church before I actually became a part of that church. And so I'm going to be sharing all this type of information with you this morning. So look at the introduction. Our vision here at PCC is to fulfill God's desire for his church. We interpret it as, here it is, love God, connect with others, and reach the world. So how can we become rooted together around this biblical vision? Now let me show you a picture that I showed you some weeks back. This is the redwoods, or the sequoia trees. And when you begin to look at these trees, I think I've shared this with you, 300 foot tall. Some of them can rise up to about 300 foot tall. Some of them are 26 feet in diameter. That's a pretty big tree you're dealing with there. And not only that, what's really phenomenal about these trees is their root system grows at the most 12 feet. 12 feet into the ground. 12 feet to hold up something 300 feet tall. Now, I want you to think about that. The need, you never see these trees out in the middle of a field by itself. There's no way it could sustain its growth. There's no way it could survive by itself because the wind would come and blow it right down because of the weight. And so what you see is they need, there's a dependence upon one another to, to stay upright, to stand at the majesty that you see these trees stand. The same is true for us as believers. We have to come together. And that's the reason Jesus, when he died, he talked about not only the going forth and, and bringing people to the awareness of salvation that he provided through his death and burial and resurrection, but also the establishment of the church and why it's so important that we learn to depend upon one another and the fact that we are to be rooted together. So look on your outline, four things that root us together. And the first thing is very basic, but it's our salvation. What brings us and holds us together is our salvation. Most people, I want you to think about this. Most people that you probably work with, go to school with, or run into day by day, most of these people have no idea what they were created for. They have no idea that a creator created them specifically for who they are and God's desire for them and the purpose behind it. And so therefore, the most basic question a person can ask is, what is the meaning of life? What is my purpose for living? Of course, those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we know that before we can come to the awareness of that purpose and that meaning, we have to admit that we have a problem. And that is the need for salvation. You see, every one of us, we know this, I hope you know this, we're born with a sin nature. As I said so many times, you don't teach two-year-olds to act like two-year-olds. It just comes in there. It just happens. They're selfish. They're independent. They want what they want when they want it. 
I know, I've described most of the men in this room, didn't I? But anyway, <laughs> but, but the point is the fact that we have that nature within us and we have a problem. We, we're, we're, our nature is that we're sinful, but we have a choice in the fact that we sin. It seems to be what we do. And then the whole idea of our condition, our condition is that we're lost in that sin. But then God brings the provision. God's solution for our need is, I want you to listen to this, not by works, but by grace. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to handle the fact that we were born in sin, that we sin, and that our condition is lost. And therefore, Jesus comes on the scene, and he brings with it his grace. His grace. But not only the grace, but the fact that we have come to salvation is not even initiated by us. I want you to think about this. God draws us to himself through the Holy Spirit. That's what we learn from Scripture. And so Jesus is providing for our condition and our problem of sin. And so therefore, if we acknowledge that there is a problem and we know there is a provision, our only hope is a proper response. How will we respond to this message? How will we respond to this salvation? First of all, it begins with our admission of a need for forgiveness. The Bible says, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. We've all been there. But then not only that, a proper response requires repentance from our sin. To turn away from our sin, to turn away from that old life and turn to the life that God has provided through Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we see it come together with our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that is what unites us. It's the fact that, that just like what we saw with Rocky here this morning, that, that demonstration, what he was doing, he's already asked the Lord into his heart. He's already had that salvation, but now he's coming to identify with the body, and that brings us all together. And the fact that we have accepted that provision of Jesus Christ. So what unites us is Jesus and the salvation that he brings to us. Once we receive salvation through Jesus Christ, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit who gives us gifts to serve God as he places us into a local church. Now, I've said this over and over again, but I want you to think about it through the lens of this idea of rooted. God has brought you here. If you are a member here at Pleasant City Church, we believe God has brought you here. We believe the Holy Spirit deposited you here. And, and therefore, there's something that comes with that. And that is the fact that we come together around a common cause. And that cause is the fact that Jesus made the provision of salvation for us all. But then secondly, not only our salvation that roots us together and unites us, but our statements. What we believe. You see, I still believe, I don't know about you, that it's important to know what you believe. I think for us to really understand God's word, we've, we, we've got to not only understand it as truth, we've got to have conviction that it's truth. And that's the problem in the world we live today. Is there, there's a lot of people that, that God's word is truth is not conviction. And therefore, when it's not conviction, it can be swayed. It can be turned. And we're watching a world walking away from the truth of God's word because it doesn't feel right, because it doesn't seem right. This is the truth of God's word. And we as a church, we build upon that premise. 
And so doctrinally, we want to align ourselves with God's word. And the thing that you need to know about us here is that we hold a very conservative view of God's word. We believe God's word is his way of making himself known to us. Therefore, we believe it is, the, it is, it is in the inspiration and infallibility and the authority of God's word that brings this truth to us. We believe also, not a popular belief in this world, that God's word is absolute truth. It is absolute truth. And therefore, while the world may change its views, its ideas, we hold to the truth of God's word. We have to. It's our only hope. If we can't trust him in these things, how can we trust him for our salvation? It's all right there. Secondly, our cultural values. There's, these are certain things that we exist as, and, and we thought it, it to be important some years ago when we put this down in print, but basically there's nine of these cultural values, and many of you know the first one, I hope. Jesus is our lead story. If Jesus is not our lead story, I'm just going to tell you, as I've said so many times, we just need to shut the doors. We should be out of business. Second of all, a second part is scripture and prayer are prime. We believe in these things. This is the, the guidance and the whole existence of who we are. We believe that worship is a lifestyle. It's not something you show up here and give your token expressions to God and then leave and live how, how we, you desire. No, we live worship. As we said in this series, we bring the worship here. We show up ready to worship because the week's been worship, and we come together in that. And then we are a family. You see, I really believe that when God begins to place people, we can become a, we can become a family. You say, how do you become a family with 700 people, counting children? How does that happen? By getting into smaller groups. It's amazing some of the, some of the healthy families of small groups we have here in this church. And it's so amazing to see how God is just growing people through this. And that's what it's all about. And then, there, of course, there's nine total on those. You can see both of these on our, on our website, or they're back there on the iDesk. And then next, our story, how the Lord brought us together. In 1949 is when this church began. And what you see here is a picture. And this is where it all happened. Uh, they had a tent revival right out here on the corner, okay, of Earl and County Home Road. And what you see there is, is the first glimpse of, of God placing a vision right here in this small community. And, and it's so cool. And in, in the book that Miss Betty McIntyre wrote, uh, Why Done to Harvest, this is what seemed to be going on. The quote's right there. The Holy Spirit of God was at work among these men and as they continued to talk, their interest grew. And we talked about this before. But when I think of this, I look at this, 1949, I, I hear the anticipation, I hear the incitement and the expectancy, uh, what could come together. And so they came together. And so that tent stayed there from what I understand. They continued to hold meetings there. They eventually had vacation Bible school there. This church has always been about children. And God began to bless as the church began to grow. And then at the 50th anniversary celebration in 1999, and I've shared this with you before, but we've had so many people, there's some of you I know who haven't heard this story. We, we, we celebrated our 50th anniversary back in 1999, and we took from the sermon from Joshua chapter 1. 
And there's four things that we find here. And some of you, when I say it, you're going to say, yeah, I remember that. But it's so important to our history. Number one, remember the sacrifice behind us. I want you to think about what's going on in Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, Moses has just died. He's led that nation of Israelites through the wilderness. They've been in the wilderness 40 years. And, and, and all of a sudden, Moses' life comes to an end. And Joshua's raised up as the next leader for the next generation. And so they would be the nation, or they would be the people. That generation would be the people who would go into the promised land. Keep in mind, the generation before chose not to. There were things that they were scared of. There were things they didn't want to face. There was insecurities throughout the camp. And, and basically, it was a new generation under this leadership of Joshua that would go in. And here's what they did. They, they remember. They looked back and they saw. But there was this new generation that was ready to do something. And that's what we challenged our church with in 1999. But what did we have to do to get there? The same thing they had to do in Joshua chapter 1. Resist the complacency among us. We had to get to a point where God's word mattered more than our opinion. God's word and it's our ability as a church to reach had to be pivotal when it came to God using us. And so that's what happened. And so it was time to get busy. Busy. But keep in mind, for the Israelites, what did they have to overcome? There were giants that had to be defeated. Walls had to come down. Mindsets had to be changed before any of that could happen. They had to know that they could go in the power of, of the Lord because he commanded them to go. That was the vision God had for them, just as the vision God gave this church back in 1999. And so in Joshua chapter 13... They're about to go. They've had some small victories. But here's, the, here's the, the whole premise of it all. The scripture said there was still much land to possess. There was still more that God had for them. There was still something else to come. It would be easy to rest on their past victories. There, but there were still more enemies out there left to conquer. Walls that needed to come down and work that still needed to be done. And so when you look at back at 1999 and you hear this challenge 22 years ago, guess what? We stand here in 2021, and guess what? There's still a lot that needs to be done. There's still a lot that God wants to carry us through. So how do we get there next? Release the fears within us. You know what I found to be amazing? Change causes a lot of fear. How many of you noticed that? How many of you have noticed that as you get older, the more change seems to be more of a threat to you? How many of you have noticed that? I, I, a lot of you have seen, I, I, got, I came here and came on staff when I was 25 years old. I'm 57 years old right now, and uh, I'm starting to catch up to some of y'all, and I'm understanding that mindset you guys have now. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, I get that. I get that. But I want you to think about two characters in the Bible, Joshua and Caleb. These were some, some older guys. And they were some guys that, well, you remember when the 12 spies went in initially to the land? You remember the report came back and there were 10 of them and said, there's no way we can do this. I don't care what God says. This, this, there's giants over there. There's walls, cities over there. There's, there's enemies everywhere. But there were two that said, oh, we can do it. If God commanded us, we can do it. 
Joshua and Caleb. And you know what? I look back, and I look back at 1999, and there's some of you sitting here that were in the room back in 1999. And, and you know what's really amazing is every one of you, and I'll be honest with you, you might not think of yourself this way, but I see you like this. You became Joshua and Caleb's. You said, you know something? There's something more important than my traditions, my personal preferences, the way I want it. You just wanted to be obedient to what God wanted. And I want to commend you for that today. I want to thank you for not taking possession of this church and say, we shall not be moved. <laughs> we have two pastors who came out of our ministry that are dealing with churches right now that have that attitude, that, that don't want to go any further. And we just need to pray for those guys. We need to pray that St. Joshua and Caleb's would stand up the way they did here 20 year, 22 years ago. So we got to release the fear. And, and where do we turn when we have fear and there's a change? When chapter 1 of Joshua, there's four times God encourages Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. And if you do this study in verse 6, he says, basically, be strong and courageous. Trust my promises. And then he says, trust my word. And then on verse 9, he says, trust my direction. Verse 18, trust my protection. And here's what I challenged our church back then. For us to become the church God intends us to be, our fear must become faith. And that's what we've seen over the years. I, I want to ask those of you who have been, um, and it's okay to be honest, okay? You've been here since 1999, and you've seen the changes. How many of you have agreed that it was difficult? Raise your hand. Get that hand up. Yeah. Well, some of you say it's harder. I thought y'all were okay with everything. Okay, never mind. I'm just <laughs> no, but it's been tough, hasn't it? it? It has. But I'm telling you, God has got us in a unique position right now in our community to continue to reach people. Continue. Look at. I don't know if many of you see what happens at 11 o'clock, and some young families are right here in this gathering also. But it is amazing. I want to challenge you. Look at 11 o'clock gathering too. It is amazing how many young families God has entrusted us with. It's amazing that there were like 140 kids over there last week. It's amazing that this past Wednesday night there were 105 teenagers in the building that, this past week. We are placed in a very unique place as a church in this community to continue to do what God's called us to do. Next, respond to the vision before us. And that's really what it comes down to. If we believe God has given us something and we believe he, he's, he's pulling us towards something, sometimes it doesn't make sense. There were times through all this, it didn't make sense to me. There were times I even thought there's no way we're going to be able to do that. But God continued to empower us and teach us and show us. And slowly we came to that special time where we are today. You see, from that special service in 1999 to the present, our church family has witnessed God work through this vision that he gave us 22 years ago. So how do we do this? How do we continue to do? What's the strategy? Now look on your outline. Our strategy. How will we fulfill our purpose? Let me just say this. Our purpose is really a mandate from God in Scripture. And it comes from two different places that I found in Scripture. The first is what's called the Great Commandment. 
Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus just put it out there. You remember when someone came to him and said, hey, hey, teacher, hey, rabbi, what's the greatest commandment? This was his answer. This is what it's all about. This is what we find. And so love God. Look here on the screen. We are challenged to faithfully attend a worship gathering where God's word is taught and where we demonstrate our love for him and display that love through our obedience and responding to his word. That's what we're doing right now. It is through this strategy that we are challenged to commit to be a part of a local church family. I'm here to tell you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter if it's Pleasant City Church. It needs to be somewhere. You need to be a part of a local church. That's where God will use you in the way he desires to use you. Since 2006, when we began the whole idea of love God, connect with others, and reach the world, listen to this. We've had 412 baptisms, and there's six today. Rocky was the first one. I think there's five in the next gathering. Isn't that pretty cool? That's pretty cool. Do we wish it would have been more? Yeah, we wish it would have been more. But that's just right here in this building. That doesn't include what's going on on the mission field that we support. It doesn't include what's going on in Nepal where we just, just this last six weeks, we've seen 52 people baptized into the kingdom of God. It's amazing. We've been averaging 683 in worship in these last four to six weeks. We're almost back to pre-COVID numbers. We're almost back there. It's kind of refreshing to talk about. Next, connect with others. The second step in our strategy is to connect, to get connected with a small group. We call those small groups or Bible studies connect groups. In these groups, we grow in relationship with other believers and grow in our understanding of God's word. Let me, let me tell you something that, that has happened. How many of you feel that COVID changed you somehow these last 18 months or two years? Yeah, I, I do. I feel like it's definitely grown me. It's stretched me. I still don't like it. Um, <laughs> But it, it really has. But let me tell you something God has done. And this may, this may amaze you. Those cards that we ask you to turn in, if you're a guest here in our church, they go to the iDesk. Your pastors look over that each week. We actually try to stalk the people who have been, uh, filled out the card on Facebook. We try to find them. We try to put a face with them. We, we pray for them. We try to connect them somehow. And, and there's one thing that, that we're noticing that we've never seen before. And this started back in really the summer. Probably over half of those who turn in those cards check that they're looking to be a part of a small group. We have never seen numbers like that in the last 22 years. We haven't seen that before. You know what I think COVID has done? It's created an emptiness and a void in people. And they want to connect. And, and it's been, it was removed for so long. They want to connect. They want to, get, they, they want to be a part of something. There's a drive. There's a hunger. And so when the enemy thinks he kept the churches closed, guess what God was doing? He was building something in the hearts of people. And as a result, this church, we are healthier today. Listen to this. 
Listen, we're averaging 435 in connect groups. Pre-COVID, we were below or right at 386. You say, that's not a big difference. That actually is a pretty big difference. And there's more that have checked that still hadn't got connected in yet and that we're working hard to do. Y'all, this is important. And not only do we see the great commandment, but second of all, the great commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, to, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Of course, we know that. That, that. That's always been in church life, right? But this is what we're all about and what we should be about. So here's the idea, reach the world. The final step in our strategy is to challenge those in connect groups to be involved in some aspect of ministry here at PCC and in some aspect of mission, either in our community or around the world. And so if you begin to look and you were to say, okay, this church, for it to become as healthy as it possibly can, what does it look like for the members? First of all, that you attend the gathering. We all come together, we worship the same God, we hear from his word on a regular basis. Not only that, we find a small group that we do life with. And, and, and it may be hard to be vulnerable at times and be transparent at times, but we just open our lives to one another. And then thirdly, that we serve in some capacity. That bottle of water is driving me crazy. But anyway, we serve in some capacity for the kingdom of God. It's so important. And that's what we see in Scripture. Our attempts to reach the world, listen to this, is to seek God's direction in prayer before pursuing any direction of ministry. And that's one thing that we've done over the years, to use the Bible and not tradition as a primary source of inspiration and direction, to focus on reaching and equipping people. That's our focus, to reach out to all people, not just a certain target group. I believe that God desires all generations to be represented in a local church. I believe the older should be teaching the younger. I believe the older should be teaching and being an example to the younger generations. And therefore, we, 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 we want all people of all races, of all ages. That's what God's called us to. And guess what? That's what heaven looks like, by the way. It's what heaven looks like to reach out to all to see every member of our church family actively involved in ministry through using their spiritual gifts, to give from what God has blessed us with to, to further build his kingdom through ministries and missions. And since 2006, our missions giving, listen, listen to this, has been right at $3.5 million. I was blown away when I saw that number. I went and rechecked and asked and asked this question, asked that question, and that right there. Man, that is pretty, for our church our size, God has really given us the ability to reach out there with missions. And that's probably the number that I'm more excited about than any of it. So where do we go from there? What, what does that look like? What do we support? Well, we support. Did you know that 12.5% of everything this church takes in with the, through the budget goes to missions? We support missions in that way. That's a big deal to us. How do we do it? Well, through the cooperative program of the SBC. Now, let me just say this. <laughs> For some of you, this may be the first time you've heard that we're a Southern Baptist church. Bless your heart. We didn't mean to fool you. We weren't trying to. <laughs> I was talking to one lady the other day, and she was from a Baptist background. I think her husband was from a different background. And, 
And she said, uh, can I ask, are y'all connected to a denomination? I said, yeah. I said, we're Southern Baptist, we're Southern Baptist Church. And she said, I thought y'all were. It seems so familiar. And then here's what she said. She said, my husband ain't going to like this. <laughs> but, but it's amazing. But, but the thing is, they're still part of the church. And the thing is this, you know, we do participate in international missions offering around Christmas. We'll be doing that this year. Annie Armstrong's for North American Missions. So we, along with other churches, come together to support that. The seminaries to train up leadership of, of other uh, leaders in churches. We're all on board with that. Matter of fact, some of our own benefit from us being a part of that. We have full-time Southern Baptist missionaries. We have Annie in the country of Columbia. We have Charlie in the Middle East doing a phenomenal job. We support the State Baptist Convention. There's ministries around here. And indirectly, we support Gardner-Webb University and other Baptist colleges. The Greater Cleveland Baptist Association. Over there, there's a food pantry. There's uh, uh, ways that uh, power bills can be covered. There's a clothing pantry. It's, a, it's an organization that uses to assist churches that brings training to local churches. Phenomenal ministry right here in our community. We support that. We support the Cleveland County Rescue Mission for those who are women who are battered and, 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 and those who are uh, homeless. Community crisis, we, we take up so much money and use it right out of our office to try to help those in need. The Pregnancy Resource Center, one of the best ministries that we support. One more, one less, the foster care ministry. Laura's home, which is Christine's home and Sandra's home. We support them, and many of them even come and worship with us each week. One Love, the Scape Ministry. Gideon's International, the Bible Distribution Ministry. This is one that I've been pumped about for 20-some years now, PCC Missions. 1% of our budget goes into a fund that our missions committee can help send people out to do missions, groups and individuals. We've been to Nepal, Honduras, Mission Serve, Guatemala, Romania, Africa. We've been to Zambia and Kenya, Jamaica, Jordan, China. And then there's other individuals who've gone into other places. We also give to the international mission projects. 10% of everything that goes to pay for new buildings for us or pay off loans, 10% goes to, to do uh, international mission projects. So everything that, that comes through here is tithe in some way or greater. Nepal missions. I can't name the partners there, but uh, they're there. And, and like I said, 54 baptisms last month. East-West Ministries, this is to unreached people groups. Brandon and Tammy, who used to be Southern Baptist missionaries, have gone with this group. Caribbean and Uganda, Daniel and Aaron Rice, they, they're, they're right here. They sing on the praise team. Uh, they send people out. Central American Missions, Estuardo and Cali, we, we support them. Special partnerships with Tessa, many of you know Tessa, the Sweden, and also Sylvester, who's normally in our gatherings on Sunday mornings. He he's, has a connection to Kenya, and we've been able to get in behind him and support him while he's here at Gardner Webb getting his education. Children's and Student Ministry Missions, Compassion International, Living Water, Filter of Hope. These are big ministries. Great needs are being met through our children and ch student ministries. And then child evangelism. It enables to go right into the schools to teach the Word of God. Right into the schools. We support that. And then 
new as far as community missions will begin a Celebrate Recovery, um, which will start in 2022 here at our church, which is a great ministry to help in our community. And then this is something that is phenomenal for a church like us. We now have 21 full-time uh, people in ministry right now who have come out of this church since, 2000, since really 1999. Can, can you believe? I mean, think about that. That's almost one per year. God is using us to continue to expand. So here's a footnote to that. We believe that when people get committed to this vision, they open themselves up to God to do an amazing work in their lives. In the process of living their lives, serving and giving through the local church, God will draw them into oneness with him and into oneness with others. And y'all, that's where we've seen the biggest life change take place in this church, is through this. And that's the reason we'll never get past love God connect with others and reach the world. You're going to hear until you're sick of hearing it. But that's what we're going to always be about. And you may say, well, what about the future? Well, we got this beautiful building over here, the Connect Hall, that has really helped us in our connect groups. It really has. It's served a phenomenal purpose. But we're look at the payoff. We're, that's what we got to do next. And we owe $465,000. we have received just uh, almost $1.1 million towards it. Uh, we believe the payoff will probably be May uh, of 2023. So that's not far around the corner uh, that that can be taken care of. And then where do we see the next need? Expanding the seating here in the worship center. And so we want to take and go further back in the room here. We're going to stay right in here. We believe we can expand it from 500 people to 750 people. Um, and so that's something we're hoping to see in the future and then build that atrium between the two buildings uh, that will um, uh, be a fellowship area, a meeting area, kind of a coffee. How many of you enjoy your coffee? Don't you feel sorry for them out there making it in the cold? We're, we're going to bring them in house in a couple of years, so just pray for them. And then that will also be where our guests are, are, are uh, introduced to our church is through the atrium that we're hoping to build in the near future. So I want to close basically with this. Four levels of becoming rooted together. How do we come together? How, what does it look like? What are the different levels? And, and I guarantee you, you'll probably see yourself somewhere on this. The first is level one membership, choosing to belong. And I've shared this with you before, but that's the, that's the basic, just choosing to belong. And that's chapter two, look at verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Of course, this is Peter speaking there uh, at Pentecost. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, we hadn't quite made it 3,000, but we've put a chunk into it. But the point is, there's people who came forward in the first century as the church was first being created. They came forward and they basically made a decision to belong. They chose to belong. Then there's level two, partnership, doing our part. In verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs 
were done through the apostles. What this is talking about is support. They began to support one another. They supported the ministry of the apostles at a very crucial time when there wasn't a word of God as of yet, at least the New Testament. And the apostles were going out and the church began to expand. And they all saw themselves as partners to continue that work. Level three, friendship. Learning to share. Let me just say this, and I'm going to be very honest with you. If you don't make your way to a connect group in a church, whether it's PCC or wherever it may be, and what I mean is a small group, there's a good chance you won't be around long because there is that idea of wanting to come together. Whether it's through serving together, connecting together, it's so important. And that's what we find here. Look at verse 44. Now, all who believed were together. They had all things in common. What was the thing that, that was common about them? It wasn't because they came from the same location of the world because that was Passover was going on. They estimated as many as 300,000 people had made their way to Jerusalem. They came from all over the world. And, and, and there were different races. And so, so it wasn't that all these things were had. What, what did they have in common? They came to be a part of the body of Christ. They partook of that salvation that we talked about earlier. They believed that there was a kingdom beyond this world. And they came together. And they sold their possessions in verse 45 and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And what this is talking about, some people say, oh, that's a whole idea of socialism. Not necessarily. It was the idea of what was needed at that time. All those people would gather together. They needed to be equipped before they went back to their places in which they lived. And that's the birth of the church. All that was necessary. And they did whatever it took to make it happen. Level four, kinship. Loving believers as family. Look at verse 46. So continuing daily. Now we don't get to meet daily around here. But can you imagine daily in one accord in the temple breaking bread? Where did they do that out? From house to house. They went to one house. They didn't get full. Guess what they did? They went to the next house. They sound like Baptists, don't they? I guarantee you there's some chicken in there somewhere. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all people. All people. Isn't that cool? All people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. I want to close with this thought. How many of you agree that mental illness numbers are shooting through the roof? You got to if you look at anything. Mental illness is on the rise. And we can name this and we can name that. We can name all these reasons why that may be in play. But here's what I believe about mental illness. Not in all cases, but in many cases, is the fact that I believe it stems forth from something that people are looking for deep down that only God can provide. Not, that's not with all. I know some of you. So I've dealt with periods of mental illness. I've dealt with those things. I, I know what that looks like, okay? But I'm here to tell you that what I've noticed in a lot of people is that God has wired us in, in, in such a way, listen, that only the Creator can help us with the vo some of the voids in our lives. And only other people 
and serving others and getting our eyes off of ourselves and serving order, others, to me, that is about as healthy as you can become. When you're doing what you were created to do, what were you created to do? You were created to find your satisfaction and fulfillment in the one who created you. You were also to find satisfaction and fulfillment from serving him in some capacity. You've also been called to, to live your life, not as unto oneself, but with others in a community of people. I believe the church and being involved in a local church can meet those deepest of deep needs that God, listen, wired us to desire and to want. And when it's not there, I think that's where we have a lot of our problems. I really believe that. Here's the application. Move to the next level. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the levels I just talked about. I'm talking about if you, if you believe that God's calling you to be a part of this local church, we, we're asking, we're challenging you to join. If he's called you to be a part of somewhere else, you need to join there. But you need to be a part of a local church. Move to the next level. Move to partnership, kinship, whatever it is in becoming more rooted here at PCC. And now I want to give you, here's an advertisement. The next PCC 101 class will be Sunday morning, December 5th at 11 o'clock in room one right here in this Connect Hall. You can sign up online or at the iDesk as you leave this morning. Now, here's, here's what I mean by that. You say, well, I knew there had to be some kind of plug at this. Listen, I don't care where you join. You need to be a part of a small, a small group. A small group, you need to be a part of a church. You need to be a part of a local church. When you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he places you in his body. And he has desires for you through that body. And if you use those gifts he's given you, take it from personal experience, that will bring the greatest satisfaction and fulfillment you could ever find. It's finding it in him. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? Father, we just come to you right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way, Lord, that uh, you've wired us. You've wired us with a, with a void that's there that can only be met by you. You've wired us in such a way that we are, are dependent upon one another. Lord, I know in my own life, when I get into myself, when I, when I think I can handle all my issues, when I think that I don't need other people, Lord, that's when I start dealing with issues in my life. But Father, I just pray for each one in this room, Lord. Lord, maybe they're seeking what I'm talking about in other places. I pray, Lord, that you'll help them to realize it can truly only be found in what you're about, and that's the kingdom. Father, I pray for that one that maybe they've been hurt somewhere in a church many years ago or just recently, and they're scared. They don't want to be hurt again. Father, I just pray that you continue to draw them, to help them to understand, to, to move beyond that to bring the forgiveness, but also bring themselves back to that place where they can do life with other believers. Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that we have a salvation that brings us together, that unites us. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today that they'll talk to a pastor before they leave here today. We pray you have your way in this, in Jesus' name, amen.